We are journeying through this Advent season, and we, again, as I said all the time, we take the church calendar pretty seriously, though we aren't doing Christmas Day services, um, but we are, uh, thankfully. <laughs> but we're going to take this seriously because, again, we are really trying to learn to live the way of Jesus in a world that's really trying to work hard for, to get us to live um, another way. And it's a way more stressful way. It's a way with a whole different set of priorities and values. Um, but also, as followers of Jesus, this isn't just a season of shopping and uh, profit and um, annoying family times. It's actually a season where we remember something incredibly profound that's changed the world completely upside down and has huge implications for how we live today. And so there's a number of, there's four themes that we're going to explore every year. Uh, joy, hope, peace, and love. Uh, and those are the, on different Sundays of Advent, we explore those different uh, themes. And um, we've, we've missed, it's been a little bit of a hodgepodge because of the um, Marae Nui gig being cancelled. And so we've, so far, we've really tackled in depth hope, which Charlotte did absolutely brilliantly last week. And if you missed that talk, can I uh, encourage you to listen to it? It was seriously outstanding. Um, and so today, I want to explore joy. Now, straight away, I know a whole lot of you are like, oh, no, Lord, have mercy. Look, it's been a tough week anyway, let alone come to church and hear the pastor tell us we've got to be more joyful, you know, like flag that for a joke. Um, but let's, let's explore why this is, historically, the church has said this is something that we look at. And so I've got three points this morning uh, about why this is a season of joy, um, and we're going to say this a few times today, a joy not because of our circumstances in terms of how well things are going, but joy because of what has happened outside of our circumstances. We may want to shut those doors, guys. Um, thanks. Um, little party out there in the baby room, which is all good, all good, guys. You can hear us out there, so, you know, have fun out there. Um, very quiet all of a sudden. Um, so here's my first point. The reason that we have joy in this season is this. It's joy... Because he came. Joy that he came. That's a big deal for us. Uh, as Charlotte pointed out absolutely brilliantly last week, um, we have a hope because God fulfills his promises. That's why we have hope. And as Charlotte again brilliantly last week talked about the longing that had gone for 2,000 years saying there is going to be a rescuer that comes. And from the moment we betrayed God in that garden and said, screw you, we're going to do it our way, God has been pursuing us in his love. And the climax of that pursuit is Jesus coming. But as Charlotte said last week, we're on the other side of Jesus coming. So we struggle to imagine that longing of like, when will it happen? Will it happen? Oh, you know, and the prophets are making promises. And, and the scriptures point to the coming of the king. And they're like, and they, as you would, they're imagining what it's going to be like. You know, will he come with his, you know, on the war stallion and overthrow? I mean, that's what everyone's longing for because we've all got war in our bones. So we want it to be violent and screw you, enemy. And, and he turns up in a completely different way than we could ever imagine. And so there's a season of great joy because he came. He actually came. He fulfilled his promises. And we can rejoice in that. He has come instead 
stepped into our world to leave us, lead us out of slavery, to show us how to live, to see the kingdom of God start to do its business of bringing wholeness to the world again. Love is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love was the motivation every step of the way. And so to give us a clue about how big a moment this is, uh, Jesus' birth is one of the few moments that we get this little glimpse into the heavenly realm. Uh, and so you've got these shepherds in the fields, and as I've explained this a couple of weeks ago, the shepherds aren't the, the classic Kiwi, you know, get them on, you know, that sort of shepherds with the four-wheelers and stuff. These are tough forestry worker, gang association type, you know, hard men, richly unclean, full-time, rough as guts, and... <laughs> And I'm like, who does God pick to like reveal this huge news to the world? I mean, all of this is monstrous in terms of like the nature of God. He doesn't pick politicians. He doesn't pick celebrities. He, he picks everyday, blue-collar, hard-working, rough-around-the-edges boys to say, it's happening. It's happening. And so uh, the shepherds are out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified. These are not boys that get terrified easily. This often happens when angels of the Lord turn up. <laughs> One of the first things they have to say is, fear not. Why? Because you're packing yourself, because it's so, it's so glorious not out of fear in terms of like, I'm a, it's more like this is so pure and so holy, it's just, it reveals just, whoa, and it's like, so the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they understandably freak out. We've got to really dial up our understanding of these angelic beings. These aren't the Hallmark card little cherubs at the, you know, with fat little things with, with bows and arrows. This is like hardcore heavenly beings. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The Greek there is mega, mega joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared in the, with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Try and imagine that. I mean, you're just out there looking after your sheep, having a stock standard, ordinary, boring night. And then all of a sudden, this angel stands before you, declares that the Messiah has come. And most likely, these shepherds knew of the promises that had been, you know, in the prophets and in the scriptures. And they're standing there in this, and then it gets bigger. You, you literally cannot tell this big enough, this moment. And the reason that the angels are so frothed up is because it's like, finally, it's happening. The angels had been longing for this as well. And... I just picture, there's again maybe my imagination and lack of TV as a child, but uh, I am, I'd imagine like, firstly, the angels saying to, to God, like, can we tell someone? Please, can we tell someone? Like, this is huge, you've got to let us tell someone, please. And it's like, mm, right, then it's like, uh, you know, well, who can we go tell? And he's like, mm, those guys over there. <laughs> and so, 
And guess what, guys? He's finally coming. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. And he's been born in Bethlehem today. And then it's like... It's like this movie moment. You know how in love actually in the opening scene, like all of a sudden the band starts appearing in the chapel and there's trumpets up the top and it's like all of a sudden it all swells in and it's lovely Hollywood moment. This is that on steroids. It's like all of a sudden these angelic beings all appear and they're worshiping God, saying glory to God in the highest. They're worshiping God for his love revealed in this moment because the angels surely were like, yeah, how are you going to do it again? How are you going to, you, so you're not turning up in the old chariot? you got the chariot, you're going to become a baby. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're cool, bro. You're the boss. But it's like, and, and then they're realizing what this means. He stepped into every, I mean, every element of vulnerability that is possible God steps into in the story. He becomes nothing, as the Bible says, and we'll explore that in a second. The danger, again, is that we imagine um, a ve- I mean, we imagine Desmond and his guys. That's our picture of those angels in that moment, and, and it was stunning. So I'm not trying to take away from your performance. It was very moving, and I was so in- into it. I clapped early, and you know, it was sort of so beautiful um, <laughs> and anointed. I felt God's peace and the presence come with me. But the moment that the angels had wasn't that moment. Of it was wild yahooing celebration as they worship God and, and, and the glory in the highest. I think I've played this video before, but I'm always on the lookout for little moments that are very irreligious, but I think speak to the vibe going on. So this is, um, why don't you hit play on this? I may have shown this before, but this for me captures something of the vibe of what's going on here um, in uh, this moment. Is it going to work? Is the robot in there? It did work before. I even tested it. No, do you want to find it? Here we go. Here we go. So this is Fat Freddy's drop, obviously. Um, and this for me, this for me, that catches a little bit about, I think, the vibe going on with these angels. Because it's not like, oh dear, God's turned up. It's like utter joy, pure joy, where God has turned up. This is Bill Hohepper from uh, Fat Freddy's drop, who I love. He said in an interview he can't help himself, and he says his leg just starts going, and it's because he's a rather large unit, and he is my body hero. Um, <laughs> the rest of his body just starts getting to go, and he can't control it, and uh, I just love it. So that, for me, captures, captures uh, I think, the vibe going on here with the angels, where it's unbridled joy that God has come, that he loves the And the implications for this are so big for the world that the angels aren't holding back. The reality for us this morning in this season is that we see through like a mirror dimly, the Bible says. And back then we didn't have shiny mirrors. They didn't have shiny mirrors like we do there. It was like polished bits of brass and whatnot that would be mirrors. And so it was like we see a mirror and you always look good in the the polished brass. Oh, yeah, it looked pretty good. It's like like we can't quite see, which, but now... uh, the angels in this moment see it clearly, see everything clearly. This is why Advent's important. It, it kind of polishes the mirror a little bit so we can start to grasp what this means for the world and for the nature of God. And that's my second point. The reason that this is a season of joy is uh, it's joy in how he came because it reveals the nature of God. It's, it reveals the nature of God. 
Um, we'll actually come back to that picture in a, in a little bit. Um, two years ago, I got to go to the Vodafone Music Awards. Um, there we go. There's me on the red carpet there with my um, buddy. So we did this um, church album in our previous church, and it got nominated for Best Worship Album of the Year. Now, that's got to be the easiest thing to get nominated for in New Zealand. So <laughs> we knew that as well. So it's like they're probably scratching around trying to find enough churches to fulfill the four nominations you need for each category. And so we'd produce this album, which I am very proud of. It's a, I think it's a great album. But um, uh, so anyway, we got nominated. So I was like, this is awesome, you know. And so we turned up to the Vodafone Music Awards and um, tried to look like rock stars. But we just knew that we were frauds. And you know the classic thing, because it's New Zealand, is that there's not enough limousines to like, you know, there's about three or four in Auckland. So what they do for the Vodafone Music Awards, they say, if you want to turn up by limousine, turn up to this pub and hang out there. And then they just send the limousines round and you just, and you jump in. The, and we were like, oh, flag that. So we just walked there. So you're kind of walking along, walking to the, the gig. And, uh, and then it's like the red carpet and you're like, oh, whatever, man, you're on the red carpet. And, um, and so we went along to this thing, and it was a really interesting night because it was like this, you know, I'm like a, I like to think I'm an amateur sociologist. You know, I love, it's just, airports are awesome for people watching, you know, because everyone's got a story. And, um, and this was an interesting one just to be watching and observing, um, mainly because of the insecurity in the room. <laughs> you know, it's like everyone, I mean, it's, divided, it's, it's like New Zealand's Grammys, and it's so embarrassing how... New Zealand, well, it's not, it's endearing, but it's trying to be something it's not, you know? It's like, we should probably just hold it at the pub, but instead we're trying to do the Grammys, you know? And it's like, um, but it's like, you just feel the insecurity in uh, the room. And we, and because we're at the bottom of the totem pole, which is an understatement, like, they do the announcement for Best Worship Award in the ad break. They, they do it live, but in the ad break, well, they hand out the Worship Award, you know? And... Uh, we're totally at the bottom of the totem pole, so like we had nothing to prove there, so we just had a really fun night geeking out that we're even there um, and enjoying the free food. And, um, but it was funny because um, everyone there was this yearning, it felt, I could feel it in the, in the room, this yearning to be somebody, this yearning to be significant. And every person that you know, got an award was thrilled, but it's like there's always someone more important, more famous, greater than they are, and, um, and the reality is that all of us want to be a big deal. You know, there's this yearning in everyone, I want to be a big deal. I want to be somebody significant. And uh, therefore, you know, we love associating with famous people. And I took selfies with everyone I could. If, you know, lots of people were way too cool to do that because they're, they're trying to be somebody. But like, I'm nobody, bro. You come over here, Dave Dobbin, bro. You know, um, and it's uh, this thing. And Jesus frees us from that. Like, even in the story of Advent, it's just saying, you are so loved, this is the lengths I will go to to pursue you with my love. It frees us. But the amazing thing is that there's no insecurity in Jesus, and there's no longing to, um, to display his power and intimidate everyone. And going back to the motorcade picture, it's like, um, this is kind of like how people of power get around, and this is, and even, you know, I've heard of pastors having bodyguards and stuff because they think they're a big deal. And it's like, you know, we just love that kind of thing of being a big deal. And if, 
if following the way of Jesus teaches us anything, it's about taking the lowly path and coming under people and, uh, and the greatest being the least and the least being the greatest. And it's never about clutching or grabbing power. And what the reason this is a season of joy for us is because in how Jesus comes, it reveals his, the nature of God, his character. The picture that we had on the background of that song last week I held it together just as I was editing that video for you guys because it's not the motorcade, it's this. This is Jesus' vessel for entering into the world. That alone should cause us to worship who he is. He, as it says in the Bible, he became nothing. He became nothing. He became this fertilized egg. He stepped into every element of our journey and starts to redeem it and heal it and restore it. He is so humble in nature. It is truly mind-blowing. And again, our response should be one of worship and joy and relief, to be honest. Thank you that that's who you are. That I don't have to be fearful of this tyrant or this angry God who wants to wield his power and it's no, it's so humble, it's utterly, utterly moving. There's no greater way God could have revealed his humble nature than by coming the way he did. Utterly dependent on Mary, learning to crawl, learning to walk, learning to eat solids. It's mind-boggling. It's so hard to get my head around. How can God do that? But again, it's because he loves us and he wants to redeem it all. He's stepping in the world to redeem it all. And so lastly this morning, uh, this, this joy because he came, joy in how he came, and it's joy for what it means in the, for the future. And Peter was beautifully pointing to that in his talk on communion. Um, I've, I've hung out with a lot of people as a pastor who have gone through hell and back. Some of you in the room, man, whew, the stuff you've gone through, and some of you are going through really tough times. Some uh, people, you know, we make choices and create our own hell. <laughs> so that was dumb, you know, and we have to live with the consequences of that. Other times, life just deals rubbish cards. Um, and I've grown up in a, in a lovely family filled with love, and um, compared to some of the stories I've heard, I've had it easy. And I'm telling you, I'm still weary in my soul from all this, the pain and the conflict and the battle, right, that goes on and fighting addictions and um, the relational stuff that you've got to put up with in our world and all of that struggle that every single person has. There's not a person in this room who's not battling somewhere. And in the midst of these challenges, we can know a joy because if he's come once, he will fulfill his promises to come again in glory. That's why I can have joy beyond my circumstances. Because the great hope that Charlotte was talking about in the scriptures of the Christian, of the follower of Jesus, is this. That in Jesus, the kingdom of God has come. So we are learning to live the way of God. The Sermon on the Mount that we've been exploring this year tells us, it teaches us how to live in the present in the way of God. And that brings, we partner with God in redeeming things that are broken, restoring relationships. I've again heard so many beautiful stories of followers of Jesus who've 
eaten the humble pie and followed the narrow road of Jesus and been the agent of restoration and reconciliation and broken relationships. It's not easy, but it's the way of Jesus and it brings healing. So we partner with him in the present. We're going to partner with him in the present to alleviate poverty in this area, some way, somehow. We're going to give little boxes. We're going to give little bickies. We're going to, we've got big dreams for how this church can be a great blessing to this region. And it's not just us gritting our teeth and trying to good, do good things and be good social servants. We're trying to break in, see the kingdom of God break into that kingdom of darkness empowered by the Holy Spirit. So in the present, we partner with Jesus, restoring, redeeming, re- reconciling work, but holding on to the enormous hope, the central hope, that one day he will bring that work to completion and he will restore the world the way it's meant to be. And so in the same way the Israelites have a longing for the Messiah to come to begin to make things right, we still have that longing. That's why this season of Advent is so powerful because we say he's come and yet he's coming again in glory, hallelujah. And so we wait and we long for and, and, and we just have joy because deep down in our souls we know this is not the end of the story that there is an end of the story that sees the world the way it's meant to be. Hallelujah. And so we partner with him in that. Uh, The Pope, uh, in his book, Evangelii Gaudium, the good news of the evangelist, I think it is, um, says this. I realize, of course, that joy is not expressed the same way at all times in life, especially at moments of great difficulty. Joy adapts and changes, but it always endures, even as a flicker of light born of our personal certainty that when everything is said and done, we are infinitely loved. I understand the grief of people who have come to endure great suffering, yet slowly but surely we all have to let the joy of faith slowly revive as a quiet yet firm trust, even in the midst of the greatest distress. You are infinitely loved. You are infinitely loved, and God is with you. You know, uh, we, we've got to remember that God, uh, Emmanuel is one of the names for, for Jesus in this time, God with us. And sometimes when you've been following Jesus for a, little, for a while, you can forget because you're so used to his presence with you. And yet we can never forget that he's with us. Uh, I was, as a random moment, but yesterday we're driving somewhere. We don't remember what we're doing, Jim. We're driving back from the beach, and um, and I just had this moment where there's, you know, you pull up at the lights and someone was listening to some music next to us, and I, and then I just like I felt this void of his presence for like a second, and I felt like it was, that was the vibe in the car next to me, and it was like this, like nothing, and you're just there in the car listening to your music and trying to shape some sort of philosophical worldview that helps you cope with ever you've got going on, and it was like, ooh, and then it was like, he's back, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, that's right, I've been a Christian so long, I forget that he's just Emmanuel with me, in my grief, in my pain, in my longing for something more than this world has to offer, and all of that, he's with me, he's with me, and he understands, so let's rejoice that he's with us, and it's not because of our good behavior, it's because he loves us, and he's for us. And so there's these beautiful scriptures, uh, promises in the Bible about what it's going to be like. Isaiah 35 verse 10. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. 
Revelation 7, I don't have this on the uh, slides, Cass, but um, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor the scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I mean, these, these, the Bibles are stacked with these promises that say this is what it's going to be like one day. And there's a reason we have that longing. It's because we are meant to live in a different world, in the world the way it's always meant to be. And as I've said a few times, the great Christian hope isn't some disembodied soul going to heaven one day. We've really got to get our theology sorted here. It's been just shocking how that's been our main focus of the Christian hope. Now, that, does that happen? Yes. Today you'll be with me in paradise, Jesus says to the thief on the cross. So we will be with him in a disembodied state for a season. But the ultimate Christian hope is resurrected bodies, 1 Corinthians 15, as in Jesus being the resurrection, as in him sparring with the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection, resurrected bodies that are... Uh, uh, not animated physically according to 1 Corinthians 15, but animated spiritually, so they don't decay, and it's a different sort of body, but it is recognisable. Jesus could be recognised, but he could walk through walls. Looking forward to that, uh, or whatever it may be. Again, N.T. Wright, the greatest New Testament scholar on all of this stuff, says the Bible, again, we all love like, and then in 1,000 years, that's going to happen, and it's like the Bible isn't that sort of text. The N.T. Wright, and that's the the New Testament, New Testament scholar, says that all of this stuff, the images in the Bible, are like a signpost down the road into the mist. We know where we're going. We don't know the details. But the hope we have in the Bible, the, central, the thing that carried the early church through persecution was the hope that he will return in glory and that heaven will be reunited with earth and the glory of God will cover this world like the waters cover the sea and that all the, everything's going to be restored the way it was meant to be. And that project has begun in Jesus' coming. It finds its climax on Easter which we're going to journey into. The cross and the resurrection are the great battle that has defeated the work of the enemy. And now we live in this season where we say, come again and bring that work to completion. Until that day, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we continue to bring heaven to earth like we're commanded to pray. Your will be done in that heavenly realm. We want it here on earth. We're going to wipe away tears. We're going to lift up people that are struggling and suffering. That is the community of faith that we have. And that is the work that Jesus began when he came in this very vulnerable state here in Advent. And so we can rest in that and it should be our source of joy. It's going to be okay. He's come, we can rest and we can celebrate that he's doing a great work. I finish with this. Christian joy isn't stupid, <laughs> thankfully. And uh, hopefully this has been a relief for some of you that were worried that with the old good time shirt and the happy Christmas hat and all the rest of it, you're going to be told to you know, be happy and you know it until, you know, fake it till you make it. Or it's like, no. The source for our joy is very deep. It isn't some stupid thing birthed out of naivety or uh, burying our head in the sand of our current circumstances or some bizarre whatever. It's born out of trust and hope and gratitude and faith in the coming kingdom. We have a reason to rejoice. And it's not denial or innocence or naivety or stupidity. Joy is the affirmation of the truest of all things, Jesus and his redeeming, restoring, reconciling work that has begun as he has come. The joy is rooted in the kingdom that has come and the kingdom that is coming. 
And so when Christ returns and sets all things right and heaven is established on earth, there will be no more tears, no more sorrows, no more goodbyes. The kingdom will be a reunion. This is Sarah Bessie. Uh, the kingdom will be a reunion, a shocking, wild, oh hallelujah, at last gathering. And the castos of our world, those whom our culture disdains and discards and disappoints and devastates, will lead the laughter and the dance. And part of our worship now must be wiping the tears from every face and the labor of drawing buckets from the well of salvation to water the tired soul into renewal. What a great line. And, uh, and so that is, again, it's a season of joy, friends. And it's not a denial of our reality, but it's saying my joy is, is rooted in something far deeper and far truer, and it requires faith. It requires faith, but we see enough of it breaking into the present that we say, I think it's real. He came, he came, and so I can rejoice in the season because I don't have to strive, I don't have to strain, I can rest in the knowledge that he's come, and that can be my source of great joy. And so I'd love just to pray for us as we finish this morning, because this can be a real tough season. You know, I just know that, it can be real tough. Um, some of you guys are going to hang out with people on Christmas Day that you are not looking forward to seeing for the yearly awkward thing. And, you know, who knows what's going to go down with that uncle this year. And Oh, Lord, may it not be like last year and all the rest of it. You know, some of you are facing real challenges uh, in terms of um, stuff going down in your family. Um, mindful of Gillian's dad, who's very, very unwell right now. And, um, you know, there's... Uh, a lot of challenges sometimes in the season. We want to pray for Alan as he goes into an operation this week. Um, Adrian Whitaker, whose sister died this week. And so, you know, there's these, these people in our community that are going through big stuff right now. And, and some of you, I don't know the story, but God knows. And he really cares about you in this season. And so I don't want to just, ironically, I, I actually want us to land there. <laughs> So let's just invite the God, Emmanuel, the God that comes, just to, into those places. And I, I do want to encourage us to lean into joy this season. And that normally requires us to slow down and smell the roses a bit. So like, honestly, if it's like putting on some, I don't know, some Miles Davis really loud and just marveling at the genius, or it's having a sip of some gorgeous red wine and just... Sacramental, like all of this is God's good creation. If it's going for a walk along the beach and just being like, just allow that internal joy, like try and lean into that, that He's come into this world, He loves it, has the work of His hands. And so, like, lean into it as much as you can. Try and get that giggle on, watch your Home Alone 2 or whatever it is that's going to help you um, do that. Home Alone 1, whatever your preference is. I like both equally and very passionate about both of those movies. And in fact, the soundtrack on that on Spotify will help bring some joy. Lean into joy as much as you can with your kids. Giggle, slow down, be present. You know, enjoy the beautiful water. Just let's try and soak into a place of joy. And even as a violent resistance to your current circumstances that feel like poopy times. Maturing as a pastor for years, I would have stumbled there. Um, <laughs> even if it's real brown, you know, let's... Maybe as, a, as an act of resistance, we're saying, no, I'm not going to let that rob me of, of the joy of the season because he's come. 
He's fulfilled his promises. He came in the most stunning way, and he's going to come again in glory. Hallelujah. I can be joyful in this time because that's way bigger than the rubbish I'm going through right now, and nothing can shake that. No one could. The, the, oh, sorry, mini sermon alert. The early church, Peter and Paul, uh, Peter gets arrested twice in the Acts. Once he's fast asleep before he's about, he thinks there's an impending execution, and another time he's worshiping God after getting beaten. And like, I'm like, that is phenomenal choices. A, to be sound asleep because you have such peace about the nature of God that come whatever, come what may, it's a win. And then secondly, when I'm going through the stuff, I'm going to worship the Lord because I'm going to bring heaven into earth. I'm going to press into that and I'm not going to let all of this stuff and the cell and all the stuff going on rob me of knowing his presence that's filled with the joy, the source of joy. It's his presence. And so some of us we need to, 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 even this morning, say, no, I'm not going to be robbed of joy because of the rubbish I'm going through. I'm going to choose it. I'm going to choose joy, and I'm going to giggle, and I'm going to laugh, and people are going to think I've lost my mind because of all the stuff that's going on in my life, but it's because there's something greater that's the, my source of joy than just it all going well. Amen? Let's stand together. Lord, I just pray for every person that is going through really tough stuff. I pray, Lord God, that you would just come and fill them with joy. I, I thank you, Lord, that some of us are just cruising along right now, though most of us are pretty tired because it's been a big year. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to lift our gaze to you and that we would just be reminded of this, the reason for the season, and it's you, Jesus. Thank you that you came. Thank you, God, that you fulfilled your promises that you would come and you came in the most incredible way. We didn't see that coming. We didn't see that coming to turn up like that. That is, that's insane. But thank you, God, that you did. That you came in the form of a vulnerable baby. And it speaks to your nature, Lord. Thank you that how you came reveals who you are. Gentle and humble and totally prepared to be as vulnerable as you can get. And so, Lord, we just worship you for that. We thank you for your great love. And Lord, we hold on this morning to the hope that you will come again in glory, that the world will be restored, that the longings in our heart will be finally at peace and at rest, and that the sorrow, the tears will be wiped away, and things will be right. There'll be shalom, there'll be peace, wholeness in every area of this world. Lord, until that day, help us to trust in you, hope in you, to be close to you and to be agents and to partner with you in the redeeming and the restoring of all things in this present age. So fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning, Lord. We open our hearts to you now.